Welcome to this week's EG Like Sunday Morning, and indeed an EG Like Easter Sunday Morning at that. Um, whether you're observing the religious holiday, enjoying the excuse to eat too much chocolate, or simply taking advantage of a four-day break, the tireless EG team is here to offer our unique brand of real estate intelligence to help you pass half an hour or so. And what a lineup we have today. I reckon between us, we have north of 40 years service racked up. <laughs> Uh, welcome, Editor Sam McClary, Head of Special Content Emily Wright, and Senior Writer Piers Wayner. Has the Easter Bunny been kind to you all? Yes, but not kind to the diet. <laughs> I uh, made a typical Amazon bad order. I wanted to order some very small Easter baskets <laughs> for an Easter oh, egg hunt. <laughs> yes. I ordered some Easter baskets which can be hung from a Christmas tree. So they are... <laughs> Minuscule. I think you could fit half a mini egg in them. I can't use them. It's a disaster. Always check the dimensions, people. Always check that, dimensions. That reminds me of the story of your friend who bought a sofa from eBay. eBay. It was a bed. It was a bed and wardrobe set, and it was a tenner. And she thought they'd missed an auto off, and it arrived in a shoebox, and it was for a Sylvanian family. <laughs> The best thing about that These story, are always quote-unquote friends of Emily's. No, it mm -hmm. wasn't me. I just I just hang out with people very much like me. But very quickly, because <laughs> I know we've got to get on to the actual content, but what was even better was that she went back to complain, and when she looked at the eBay ad, there was a picture of a Sylvanian in the bed. <laughs> I, I hope it has sparked a Sylvanian family collection that has continued to this day. Uh, fingers crossed. Um Quick poll uh, in the hopes that someone out there is listening and might send us some free stuff. Uh, what's your favourite Easter egg? Oh, well, I love I love mini eggs. I mm -hmm. love mini eggs. And I've yet to try it, but so many people have said to me, have you had the mini egg chocolate bar? Which apparently is mm -hmm. the most amazing thing on the planet. So if Cadbury, is it Cadbury's? If Cadbury's <laughs> yeah, yeah Cadbury's. Cadbury's, or if Lego make a... a um, <laughs> Mini egg. <laughs> they, uh, um, Sam, you, you, they do actually make an Easter bunny. Like, go make an Easter bunny that that is that is available. That may, maybe it will be discounted in stores tomorrow. Piers, favorite Easter egg? Um, I think I'm going to have to second Sam on the mini eggs. Mm -hmm. You can't beat them. And and presumably with Emily's basket, mini eggs for her as well. Mini mini eggs. <laughs> I was just like thinking, Emily, send send those baskets to me because um because I've been trying to find ways to get my kids to eat less chocolate. Well, and that's that's perfect. Very expensive way to do that, like get twelve teeny tiny baskets. But yeah, no problem. Um, I I'm controversial. I don't actually love Easter egg chocolate. I think it's a bit huh? sweet. But what I'll say is, all chocolate, including Easter egg chocolate, needs to be eaten straight from the fridge. Oh, that's a nothing worse than cold chocolate. Anyway, that's my that's my opinion. Fair enough. Uh, now, Piers, you you want your children. Uh, to eat less chocolate uh, but uh, this week you've been also looking at other people doing less or, or, or perhaps more accurately doing the same amount but in in less time so we're, we're talking here on a Sunday which is neatly sandwiched between two four-day weeks <laughs> so what better time uh, for you to tell us uh, what you've uh, discovered about the industry attitude to uh, a permanent four-day week well yeah I mean the um, the whole thing about about doing doing it in less time is brilliant because if anybody thinks about their last week racing to 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 get to the the long bank holiday weekend 
do they feel that they did less or do they feel that they were insanely productive were they hammering out everything to get everything done over the finish line and then next week you know they're going to be doing exactly the same thing having missed monday they're going to be racing and that's the idea that that we're all going to be incredibly productive by lopping off 20 percent of our working week um because for the for the purists of the four day week campaign you don't just pile up the hours on the other days so for example i know emily works in in theory a four day week don't you i do but she works about 20 hours a day so (laughs) that wouldn't pass that wouldn't pass muster for the campaign but yeah (laughs) (laughs) just because she's terribly unproductive (laughs) and that's a bit bit on the mean side (laughs) (laughs) but their their whole thing is that it's it's a hundred percent of the pay for um 80 percent of the time so four days but those four days should not be more than eight hours long or in some cases they've, they've allowed nine hours but they then say that that, that will lead to 110 percent productivity which is a mad and foolish idea and couldn't possibly happen only it did happen the last time something like this was tried which was back in 1926 when henry ford had the the idea of lopping a day off the normal six-day working week So their idea is it worked then and it worked then because of changing technology and changing ways in in which we work. Um, And they're saying it can work again. And the industry is, well, largely saying something different. Uh, I know in your piece you sort of talk about how our industry is quite a a social one. Um, People seem to like getting together and talking and hanging out. Do you, do you think that's part of the, the the property resistance to a to a four day week? I think so. I think that's definitely part of it. And there's also the I think there's still a hangover from earlier generations, not so much of presenteeism, but almost of a sort of a workaholic nature that, that there's work to be done and there are deals to be struck and there's there's always something to be done. So there's always a reason to be working if not in the office you know i mean we're here this this is this is out of hours for all of us this is a very good example it's one of my four (laughs) days (laughs) sunday do you think do you think though that that the industry resistance to it is because actually the industry is not at all productive emily i remember a conversation we've we've had before um i think actually a piece was written um about the um, how people look at productivity in the in the wrong wrong way. It was and, indeed written, yeah. Yeah, by the very wonderful Tripti, mm-hmm. uh, I seem to remember. And and I wonder if that's just because re- like real estate thinks that being productive is um, logging on at seven o'clock and not logging off until ten o'clock when you come back from the pub, probably. And that's oh well, you know, I've been networking and I've been wo- I've been working, but you know, is that really being productive it's yeah I mean it's it's a really interesting piece I think and I don't want to misquote her but I think her point was that real estate is one of the most unproductive industries in the world just because of the nature of a very long the very very long lead-in times but that that because the industry has been a bit slow to to adopt which we know and that is being addressed probably a bit too slowly um that those long lead-in times and that very slow production cycle make just it does make the industry pretty unproductive in terms of output maybe four days need to be forced upon it mm. and, and that's the thing because the the other thing that, that people come back with is is saying that actually to to be prescriptive and say that 
a business in the real estate industry should should um, have a four day week wouldn't work because actually what people want is flexibility and they want the right to say work half days or work weird hours like I do or um, to to be able to to go to those networking things. So they're saying that flexibility is far more important. But I think I think you're right. I think that that we've got a we've got a skewed way of looking at productivity and productivity has to be the key. But there's the fallout as well on how this if this does catch on or I mean it's it's really it's just another facet of the way that work is changing and the way that the shape of work is changing and therefore the way that the places that we work need to change. So the knock-on effect of things like this on real estate as a whole as opposed to the firms within it but the product the the thing that we're delivering that's going to have to change as well to to suit all of these changing patterns so i think this will catch on in certain sectors i, I think you know the real estate industry is it, it's probably not going to be an early adopter there are precisely zero um pure real estate firms taking part in this pilot that's starting in june um there's a, an architect that that started doing it earlier and they're evangelists for it but in terms of pure real estate there's there's not not really any interest um but will they feel the impact i think definitely i think coming down the line things like this um will start to change everything that we do well as, as a long time for their weaker i i i hope you're right and and i'm i even more hope that that it means that i get pro rata down to three days a week uh, on the same pay <laughs> uh, which only seems reasonable if everyone else is working for um one thing that that seems likely that, that to, to be an, in, an incentive for real estate to to eventually cotton on to this is that the next generation of talent are likely to be influenced um uh, by uh, such things in in choosing which profession to to, to follow and uh, uh, that uh, of course brings me neatly uh, onto the focus uh, in this week's magazine on yes uh, talent um uh, so as well as Piers's marvelous piece on the four-day week Emily what, what treats are in store for readers and, and what have you learned from your latest talent special there's always a lot to learn from talent isn't there um and it's interesting that um, I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago who said that this idea of what businesses can offer in terms of flexibility space wellness sort of general understanding is the ultimate reverse interview question um you know it will be asked to every single potential employer therefore have an impact on every occupier um and it's really put pressure on occupiers in a way that we haven't seen before so that's very interesting and that will have a knock-on effect um and that's not just you know fresh talent graduate talent that's talent at whatever stage it might be moving within the industry or moving coming into the industry that's worth bearing in mind. But we have had a bit of a focus this week um, on, our, on this particular talent special on uh, young talent. Um, we've looked specifically at youth boards. Um, so um, we've sort of yeah done a done a done a look into some of the big companies, um, including you know, Canary Wharf Group um, and Hollis, um, and looking at looking at the power of these youth boards. But but not just not just looking at what a youth board means and what it's for, but actually looking at, at you know the criteria in terms of getting onto one. Um, you know they're not just there for box ticking. It's not just to say oh look we've got a youth board. It's really competitive. They have real sway um, and we all know why it's because, you know, the, it, people who are coming into the industry, people with fresh ideas, 
people who are at a different stage of their lives and have got different thoughts on the direction they want this industry and the world to go in is gold dust. It's absolute gold dust. That's well worth the read, not just to see which businesses are adopting this, but to see how seriously they're taking it and how difficult it is to get a get a place on one of these boards. Um, and I think particularly with Canary Wharf Group, you know, the 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 process to get on is rigorous um so we've looked at that it's well worth the read and speaking of fresh talent we've also done an interview with lucky ahmed um if that name doesn't ring a bell um he's pretty new to the industry but he is the co-founder of climate x and they secured i mean they only launched in december 2021 so they've moved pretty quickly to secure um sort of millions of pounds worth of investment from not just anybody from a cohort of investors including ao prop tech Deloitte, Commerce Ventures, they've got some angel investors from, you know, the founder of Eventbrite and the former managing editor of Wired. So some big names there. Um, but they are a platform which uses over a trillion data points, main, a lot of them taken from satellite imagery, and they've built a 3D map of the Earth, which they've then said is they basically can simulate any extreme weather event using this 3D map and what they've created is, in their words, a map of the law of physics. So they can pour water onto a location or an asset. They can, you know, simulate drought across the location and then they can generate a report which tells you what the breaking point of your asset will be based on a particular weather event and then they can tell you what value your asset will have if that were to happen so he's 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 really open and honest I really like that about him he was like people are saying to me how can you predict weather in 10 years if you can't predict it in two weeks he's like that's not what we're doing we, we can't we can't predict the weather we're not magic what we can do is we can say if this were to happen off the back of extreme weather events becoming more and more um, commonplace this is how much water your asset can take this is how much of this particular weather weather event your asset can take and he said and we can look at it portfolio by portfolio um, and the other interesting thing he said was that there are two types of climate change ESG related company within this space there are the companies that are trying to slam on the brakes trying to stop climate change trying to like pull back and trying to help the real estate sector reduce emissions and there are the companies like his company, which are there to help contingency plan and for resilience for a world which is going to be impacted by climate change. And as he said, if you were to slam on the brakes today and the last emission leaked into the atmosphere right now, we're moving so quickly that the impact is still going to be felt. And the last emission isn't going to leak today. It's not going to be today by any stretch of the imagination. So just a really, really interesting chat. And finally, well worth the read for all those reasons but finally really quite brave and that he was quite demanding of his investors which given that it took him a long time to get the investors um was was really admirable so he feels very strongly about diverse investment which we all know is a major problem female founders you know founders from minority backgrounds really struggle to get investment particularly vc investment um so he not only had it as a criteria that anyone that invested in him had to be able to prove they made diverse investments but that he's asked them all for reports <laughs> go forward on how diverse their investment portfolios are and continue to be so it can't just be a sort of a, a sort of a stationary state of affairs that has to be ongoing so i just thought good on you anyway so, as you can tell i yeah. was impressed but um, absolutely yeah and, and uh best headline of the week uh on, on the interview i think emily get lucky indeed says, <laughs> yeah. it says everything you need 
And, and also uh, in the town special this week, mm. we have something which I know is a very exciting time of the year for you and Sam, um, as the newest cohort of future leaders have been announced. Um, tell us more. Absolutely. And I, I'm really glad that Emily talked about how, you know, sort of um, understanding and working with the next generation and and um, sort of capitalising on what they have to say is, you know, is, is gold dust, because that's exactly what the Future Leaders programme is, is all about. And, you know, it may have been born to, um, you know, sort of help with the, the EDI issue that the, the real estate industry has. And, and it does that by showcasing, you know, a diverse group of, of young talent um, up on up on stage. But actually, it's, it's about so much more than diversity. And, and this cohort has a um, quite wide, but um, very important topic to, to focus their talks around. So they're going to be talking about trans transformation. Um, across this this sector, which we know it's going through quite a rapid um, change, and it needs to, if it's going to thrive, it needs to keep up to date with that and really understand it. And who can who can tell us better as to what's coming than those who are going to be going to be leading leading it? So um, we have um, what I've called the magnificent seven for for cohort four. So seven. Yeah, I can hear the music swelling as you <laughs> as you as you announce them. So I rode a it was a, I rode a horse in. Uh, that, um, talking about the magnificent seven. Um, so yeah, seven individuals from across across the sector again, sort of representing all 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 corners um, of the sector, and they will be up on stage on June the 9th um, at the Royal Institute. Um, uh, no no C added to that, just the Royal Institute. Um, um, and uh, people should definitely keep an eye on the EG website because we will be opening registration for that that soon. But mark 9th of June in your diaries now. Um, but yeah, really, really fascinating group who I know, given that they'll get the, the ginger treatment, and you can talk to us a little bit about this in a minute, Jess, I'm sure will be absolutely phenomenal as as usual up on on stage and those um seven um people should definitely read the piece to learn a bit more about them but those seven are Hattie Charlie Paul who's from Henley Investments Charlotte Glazier who's from Islington Council always great to see local authorities um taking part in this um Rosie Orton from Nuveen Rhys Bufton from Taylor Wessing Charlotte Wallace from Wilmot Dixon and SA FMA from JLL and Blau Hussein from Roundhill Capital. So a really great bunch of individuals. Um, and I am so excited, as you know, I always um, am about about this this event. And I was even more excited, if that is possible, um, a couple of weeks ago when we we held a internal EG Future Leaders, of which you were one, Jess. So you can give listeners a little bit of an insight as to what these the magnificent seven are going to go through that's right we we, we stretched the definition of future leaders to absolute breaking points by including <laughs> me uh, on the internal program um yeah it was uh, it was a, it's an amazing program um everything sam ever says about it is absolutely correct uh, ginger do a wonderful job it's a bit it's it's a little bit like getting a chance to go back to school because like you you you'll you'll get together you meet new friends uh, you have like a full day of learning, several you know several days. You get a there's an exercise book that you fill in, and you get you get comments. It, so it is genuinely like being back at school. It's it's, it's uh, 
uh, great. Uh, and you you get taught how to deliver an impactful um, TED Talk style story with no notes um, in 10 minutes. Uh, and uh, our internal cohort absolutely smashed it uh, two weeks ago. Uh, shout out to uh, Jack uh, and Sarah and Karen and Rob and Kane and Vlodek and of course EGLSM favourite Pui who was absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah they were all uh, marvellous and uh, extra double shout out to Jojo uh, who uh, ran the programme and uh, is 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 some kind of sorceress I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. the cult of Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, uh, well, to, to the, the seven external future leaders this time, you're in for an absolute treat. And as is everyone who comes along to the, the grand finale. Indeed. Um, and uh, we're still not done. So it's, it, it's been a, another busy week for EG because we, we, we've launched something else uh, this week, which is our latest uh, EG Awards, Sam. So what, what's the plan this year? We've actually, oh, oh, before I go on to the EG Awards, we also launched the um, student essay competition. Oh, of course, yes, of it's course we everything, did. Everything uh, a go-go at EG. I should I should mention it. Yes, that we have our student essay competition. It was successful last year, and it's open to all current apprentices, undergraduates, and postgraduates in real estate, and offers the chance to win industry mentoring, two hundred and fifty pound in vouchers. Can I get a new? And more. Uh, and uh, Ooh, how you enter this? I was muted. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you, 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 Emily's excited by the prospect of more. <laughs> Vouchers doesn't do it, but Emily is excited by whatever the Pop more this is. Out. I had to. I was like, I'm going to have to do it anyway. I'll just interrupt. <laughs> um, this year's question is: What does long-term success in real estate look like, and how does the industry achieve it? Uh, and uh, entrants should answer that question in no more than 1,000 to 1,200 words by Tuesday, the 31st of May. Um, uh, so fingers crossed, uh, they will wow our panel of expert judges, and uh, you can get more details online and in this week's magazine. Okay. Back to Sam and the EG Awards 2022. Back to the EG Awards 2022. So uh, I'm so excited to bring the EG Awards back. We obviously were back in real life last year and it was phenomenal. And you could tell how much people really appreciated being back in back in a room um, celebrating the very best of, of real estate. And um, this year we're going to we're going to be even even bigger, even better, even um, even more exciting, and I have set um, uh, Team EG quite quite the target on this this year's awards. That we're gonna we're gonna try and do our very best to at least carbon cost the EG awards this year, and set up, set ourselves a little bit of a, a benchmark, and then hopefully, and people out there in the industry, I will be calling on you to help um, see what we can do to reduce that footprint by as much as possible at this year's. Award. So that means um, you will again get um, vegetarian as your your first option on on food. If you want meat, you'll have to uh, have to ask for it. We might go vegan. I don't know, um, but that will that will help us in in one way. And of course, we'll have we'll still be come in whatever you feel comfortable in, even if it's a fabulous pair of pajamas. Um, as per one of our very fabulous guests um, last year, there is no black tie. But if you want to wear black tie. You come, come as you are. Everyone is is welcome. But we've got twenty um, categories for for the industry to enter. Lots of the usuals in there. Um, you know, the deal of the year, the advisor and company of the year, 
our Social Impact Award Sustainability, the wonderful Rising Stars uh, Award that Emily um, sort of manages and, and runs that has given us some amazing future talent. Um, we have uh, BTR specialist, workspace, legal team, public and private, loads and loads of categories for everyone to, to enter. And um, a new category this year that was actually born out of one of our future leader events. So um, the very wonderful Suzanne from Fosters uh, gave us a really moving talk at the um, future female leaders in 2021. I can't remember when we were back in real life, but it was in real life. And um, she told us about um, inclusive design, really. So she um, told us a story about how she used to have to go and do due diligence, as it as it were, um, for her father whenever they went out because he was wheelchair wheelchair bound and she had to go and check venues to make sure he could he could get in get out and move move around and um that was clearly quite upsetting and exclusive to, to him and she came up with um the the view that we should try and design with not for people um and you know having a, a whirly door on a on an office building and a press button um door to open for for anyone with some mobility issues is not designing um with um uh, people in mind it's designing for people who can't use the other other door whereas actually maybe we could just design a door that works for for everyone wouldn't that be lovely so um we have introduced this year the inclusive design award which is predominantly focused on sort of physical ability but we're looking for um entrants who have designed offices that might take neurodiversity into into account and how they're being inclusive in that sort of way so really interesting category for for lots of lots of people to enter and we hope that we'll see some some really interesting thought-provoking and and hopefully um, sort of standout designs and, and buildings and, and streetscapes in that. And of course, there are not just 20 awards, there are actually 21 awards, but you can't enter one, the 21st, because that's the EG Tech Award. Um, and the EG entries for the EG Tech Awards has closed uh, or is closing. Emily's going to tell me in a minute. It, it uh, is, it is, it is closed. It's closed, but it's been Easter. So if you're listening and you think maybe you can get something in by Tuesday, maybe it'll be okay. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll leave it up. To, uh, I'm going to leave that hanging. It's officially closed. It's officially closed. It's officially but, closed, but, um, you know. Uh, send send some mini eggs in with the submission and then maybe we'll. <laughs> you might get, you might slip it tiny, in. tiny, tiny nest. <laughs> Uh, um, but they are they are coming up very quickly, um, and uh, we've got lots of really excellent entries in already for that. And um, all the winners from the EG Tech Awards get shortlisted for the EG Tech Award, uh, if that is <laughs> clear. Um, um, but I will let Emily give a little plug to the EG Tech Awards, which are back in hybrid, actually. They are back in hybrid yeah many discussions we're having hybrid, forget hybrid working hybrid events wowzers um <laughs> yep so we're back we're going to be back on the 6th of july um at the brewery really really exciting 
we've had um, a huge, a huge increase in our entries over the last couple of weeks. I think that everybody's sort of, you know, desperate to kind of get in before the deadline, um, which has been fantastic to see. Um, we've we've got some of our old favourite categories there as well. We've got the Innovation Award, which everybody is sort of likes to fall over each other to enter which is so it's divided into the into the three categories um and we we are really excited to be to be back live i just don't i mean we i don't think there's any any kind of replacement for that but having said that we made the awards global um and we know that there are some people that maybe won't be able to get there so don't worry there'll be an option to watch it live um as we've been doing the last couple of years digitally um, I don't know if there's going to be street food. There was the last time we were live. I kind of hope there will be again. Um, but I might get into trouble for saying that there'll definitely be tacos. But <laughs> that was very much a theme of the last Tech Awards before the world all shut down. Um, but there will definitely be um, some fantastic networking opportunities. Anyone that's been to the Tech Awards before will know that we've we've always tried to keep it really relaxed, really chilled. Um, right from the beginning, I've always presented the awards in jeans. Um, and that's like, you know, as with the EG Awards, that's not to say that you have to wear jeans, but um, sort of a, a very, a very relaxed state of affairs. And um, yeah, we're just really looking forward to it. And, you know, we've already had some fantastic entries in. And the last couple of years has, you know, everybody talks about it, has been this huge accelerator for tech. Um, and there is a little bit of cynicism, I think, in the industry that, People have been saying, oh, well, you know, once once this is all kind of back to normal and, you know, that everyone's returns, then, you know, everyone's going to realise that maybe, you know, tech isn't tech isn't the answer. Well, I agree that, you know, tech isn't the only answer, but I do think that 2022 is proving that tech is still very much top of the agenda. Um, it's top of the agenda now in terms of the way that we're returning to not just work, but all of our spaces is top of the agenda in terms of ESG. Um, so it's going to be another really exciting year. Hurrah! One thing we can confirm about the EG Tech Awards as an EG LSM exclusive is that 12 of the tables, the little standing tables that we have, may well have a teeny tiny basket on them. (laughs) (laughs) A teeny tiny basket, yeah. What will be in it, you'll have to attend to find out. That will be your Tech Award, a teeny tiny basket. Yeah. Oh, I can Um, can just see the excitement rising as people are just like yes that's the that's a reason to go emily's made me wish i'd prepared a tech or taco quiz but uh, i haven't <laughs> but what i do have is a very very quick we've obviously had a very bumper episode we've covered a lot of ground uh, but a very very quick quiz uh, to cover the week's headlines one question each and and there may be a tiebreaker if required so i'm just going to go clockwise based on um the the lovely faces i have on my screen uh, which means question one goes to sam uh, these are all missing word headline oh, questions. No. I hate these. <laughs> I hate Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what you were saying a fortnight ago, Sam. Uh, <laughs> lack of blank voice puts regen at risk. Lack of blank voice puts regen at risk. Oh, I know this one. Youth. Correct. This is the news that we need far more young councillors on planning committees with uh, apparently fewer than 10 uh, under the age of 40 uh, that we've managed to find across um, our major cities. Okay, Emily. Food and beverage operators bridge the blank. Food and beverage operators. Correct. It is Gap. 
this is the news that of all the former Gap stores that have been relet, almost 40% have gone to F and B. Right, Piers, can you? A miss gap. Yeah, it's left a gap. Me too. (laughs) Can I just point out, I knew the last two, so the chances of me knowing this one are absolutely zero. (laughs) Well, let's see, pressure's on. You'll get the diary Uh, question. Uh, there is no diary. There is no, no no diary question this week because, of course, uh, the, the the new Afraid to Ask feature made its debut. Do check that out. Wonderful work from uh, a certain colleague sat here of facing this final question, Piers. Uh, but there'll be more of that that to come from us in future weeks. Uh, diary will return next week. Uh, in case, uh, don't send letters if you've missed diary. Um, uh, but Piers, your question: Canary Wharf dreams of its own blank. Canary dreams. It is Eden. Yes. Wow, it's a three-way tie, one, one, one. So I have a tie-break question. Oh no. We have to press um, the buzzer. Uh, no, you have to. So it, it's a it's a numbers question, and I, I, yeah. I'm going to see who gets closest to the answer. So the tie-break question is: How much investment in life sciences since the beginning of 2021 came from new entrants? Uh, and I'm looking closest to the figure, not the percentage. So, uh, Sam, how much investment in life sciences since the beginning of 2021 came from new entrants to the uh, sector? And it's in millions. I should say it is in millions. We're not talking about 23 grand or something like that. So uh, give me your answer in millions. Well, I think the whole number was four billion. That seems to be the headline I remember seeing. So I'm going to say new entrant. I'm going to say... Five hundred and twelve million pounds. Five hundred and twelve million pounds. Okay, Emily. Well, hang on a minute. So I'm confused because if it's four billion, I thought that it was half has come from new entrants. Oh. Which would uh, mean it's two billion, which is but just you said yours has got to be a million. <laughs> I did. That's confused <laughs> me completely. So maybe, maybe I got the some, four billion wrong. If Sam's some four billion is wrong. Can I just say half, please? <laughs> half. You, uh, half well, I did say that uh, we, I was not looking for a percentage, but I mean, Emily, you're quite correct. Uh, it is roughly <laughs> half, but I am looking for a figure. I reckon. I reckon our editor has got it wrong. <laughs> Controversial. Very, very few of us could get away with saying that, Emily. But I, I think you're perhaps oh, one of the one. one I of can't. Them. I can't. <laughs> um. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well, well, okay, Sam is never wrong, so I'm going to say two billion. <laughs> two billion, okay, right, uh, okay, okay. And Piers, um, are you going to go, are you going to go either side of these figures or are you going to go somewhere in the middle? Where, where are you going to land on? Um, I I think, I Sam and I have known each other for a long time, so she knows that I don't ever think that she's wrong. However, yeah, I think this can't. time she might have misjudged. <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit like she didn't realise it was a party, even though there was a cake. You know, it's that kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, I think is it. I think it's it's about a billion, isn't it? And it, it was it was fifty I mean, something percent. Piers, uh, you are the man. You have taken taken the prize. Uh, Hang the on, answer... I said five hundred and something million. So you actually... did. Uh, you I did, but the, the answer I? is 945 million, Sam. Oh. So Piers is closest. 
<laughs> there you go. Bit. He said the whole number was a billion. No, so I think the whole, the whole is about two billion. No, he said it's half, so I'm going to go for a billion. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Uh, and it was, yes. Yeah, so it's around, it's around 52% of the total, according uh, to figure uh, figures from Savills. Uh, so yeah, brilliant. From then, what story was that? <laughs> I don't know, but my my fear of, of 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 offending you or making you cross my mind. Believe what you said. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. A little insight into how we all live in fear. Uh, <laughs> uh, Even though I knew it wasn't right. <laughs> uh, well, I there appreciate you, you Emily. I fears. This yeah. twenty-year friendship, or whatever it may be, is now over. Emily, did 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 Sam tell you to to just buy these baskets? Is that is that why you just went ahead and bought the wrong size baskets just because Sam told yeah. you to? She's the alpha, so whatever she says. <laughs> so if I say I need some baskets, and she says buy some unimaginably tiny ones that you can't fit everything in, or a complete waste <laughs> of money, I will do it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well. Uh, enjoy the rest uh, of your of your your four day weekend, everybody. Uh, uh, we will be back um, next week where we may have some some interesting results. Is that right, Sam? We yes, we they're definitely interesting. Whether they'll be uplifting or a little bit upsetting, I don't know. Well, I do know, but. That will be for we'll, we'll, next week. We'll talk it more. This is this is of course our latest um, LGBTQ plus survey. Correct. Uh, we'll be back with the results of that next week. Uh, until then, you have been listening to EG like Sunday morning. EG like Easter Sunday morning, Jess. Oh yes, sorry. You have been listening to EG like Easter Sunday morning. I'm not sure whether the sound can make that fit into the song. Because you're EG. <laughs> Easy like Easter Sunday morning. Of course she can. Okay. She's a she's a pro. Alpha. <laughs> <laughs>